بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم طلب العلم فريضة على كل مسلم أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام We welcome one and all to the program for tonight which we understand to be the fiqh of intimacy issues that are related to intimacy in Islam, the etiquettes of intimacy, the prohibitions, as well as health aspects that are related to intimacy. And the reason why this is so important for each of us to equip ourselves with is due to the hadith that we have narrated before you today, where Rasulullah says that the acquisition of basic knowledge is something that is compulsory upon every Muslim. The acquisition of basic knowledge of the essentials of deen is compulsory and obligatory upon every Muslim, upon every bearer of the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. So when it comes to the aspect of intimacy, not only does it play a crucial role in terms of our deen, but it also plays a very vital role in the success of a marriage as well. So today we sit here before the experts and the scholars such as Azrat Mulana Yusuf Abed Sahib, as well as Mulana Dr. Suleiman Ibrahim Sahib, who both hail, hail from Lodium. We thank them for taking out their time to come and speak to us and address us regarding these issues and these particular aspects that are so vital for our deen. Without any further ado, we ask our Imam Qari Hudayfa Sahib to render a short qira'ah. And we also request our brothers to be seated and remain until the end of the program. We know it's a weeknight as well, a working night. Inshallah, the program is not intended to stretch on too long. So let us sit for the, until the end of the program. And a little bonus, inshallah, there will be some refreshments that will be served as well afterward. Normally, we're always worried about the chow. We're always worried about the food. So inshallah, after the program, there will be some refreshments to be served at the back of the masjid, or in the courtyard rather. So let us, inshallah, sit with this open mind and open hearts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should allow us to absorb whatever is delivered to us today. Without any further ado, Qari Hudayfa sahab, thereafter followed by Mulana Yusuf Abed sahab and Mulana Dr. Suleiman Ibrahim. Jazakumullah khair. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim. لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمثال نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون 
هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا مولانا محمد وبارك وسلم قال الله تعالى في القران المجيد بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نساؤكم حرث لكم فاذو حرثكم ان شئتم وقدموا لانفسكم واتقوا الله واعلموا انكم ملاكوه وبشر المؤمنين صدق الله العظيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته جزاك الله for that introduction Malana it's not a subject I want to be known as an expert in but it's I'll take it that at my age anything you're an expert in is fine you know when Malana Yusuf Wajisab asked us to do this program some five years ago I looked at the topic and I said, Molana, we don't talk about these things. Well, this is like taboo stuff. I said, no, we do it. At that time, he introduced it with the topic of the second wife. Well, I remember, would it? So yeah, we had a huge crowd and all that. I mean, two like top topics. And as time went on, I began to appreciate some things out of this. And we understand one fundamental thing that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meant everything. Because as you started researching the subject and you looked into it, there was material. First I thought, now where are we going to find material for this to present it with an Islamic perspective? Because generally we don't talk about this. We don't discuss it in detail. We don't mention it. So it remains one of those subjects that like just floats around, you know, in certain circles of men and we discuss it in low tones, harsh tones. But when you look at it, you see that our deen is complete. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted us everything we require for this world and akhirah. And also in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desired our enjoyment in this world and in akhirah. For a mu'min, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan. Both. Allah says you are a mu'min. Enjoy both. And when you look outside of this pure Islam and the beautiful example of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
and you see the filth that abounds. On the one hand, you come across Christians who talk about that this is like the sin, the biggest sin you can commit. And then, yeah, we know what happens in the churches and we read in the newspapers. And the Jews who regarded it like an absolute necessity, that it was only for the sake of procreation. So much so that there are certain sects of Orthodox Jews who have their relationships with a sheet between the parties and a small hole. And what enjoyment. And our deen, our Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave us the whole spectrum. He said, enjoy yourself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, your women are like your tilth, your farms. Now today we don't understand that concept. It's like little foreign to us because the best part of that I'm going to deal with is that small patch of garden that I got there. And that also, you get the gardening service cut here. But if you understand in the time of the Arab, when a garden in the desert was something that was precious, it was something that was lush, it was something that gave life. Because from there came food, it came nourishment, came all the lovely things. How many times you hear of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reclining and sitting in the orchard and taking comfort in the shade of the orchard. It wasn't just a farm. So sometimes when we read this ayat of Quran, we take it, no, your woman, they are like your farms. You do what you want. But the reality of it, if you speak to a farmer, and if ever you sit down and talk to them, and he's like in love with his farm. He'll talk about his farm. He'll worry about the ground, he'll worry about the rain, he'll worry about everything because he knows for that to bear fruit and to give me what I want is not just I take seeds and I throw them. It takes a lot of nurturing, it takes a lot of love, it takes a lot of care. And when you have done all of that, then you get the fruit of it. And so Allah Ta'ala presented to us in a, a very beautiful example. Not a simplistic example. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, they are your hearts, your farm. And you are allowed to approach your farm any which way you want, provided it is halal means to derive the enjoyment that you want. And if you look into the lifestyle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is complete. In there, Nabi alayhi salam gave us an example of everything that we will ever require for dunya and akhirat. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him down as uswatun hasana, a beautiful and pure example. And he wasn't shy to discuss these topics. Sometimes we think, you know, and we often when we study the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then we narrate that, you know what, in this year there was the battle of Badr and then was the battle of Uhud and Khandaq. And we forget that there was a man, such a special man, who taught me everything that I needed for my life. He taught me how to be romantic. The Nabi of Allah being romantic? Yes, he was romantic. You want to know romance? Don't bother about all the other books that they present there. And you go to the bookshop and the whole shelf of these things, self-help books. Read the seerah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you want to see a person who's a chama? Was Nabi alayhi salam. 
You want to see a person who was genuine was Nabi alayhi salam. That is why when the choice was put to his wives, you can choose, we'll give you the wealth of this world. Or you want my Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa There was not a single one who even thought about it. They all said, it's not even a choice. It's not even something that we have to contemplate. We love him totally, totally. So the reason for discussing this and bringing about and talking about a topic that is generally regarded as taboo is if we don't present the clean water of Islam, then people will continue drinking the muddy water and they will think that we are satisfied. Islam gave us everything. Islam gave it to us in completeness. So in this program, just briefly, I will cover the initial part, the importance of this topic, and then what we call foreplay. And my good friend and colleague, Mulana Yusuf Abed, will do the difficult parts. Yeah. And he's more experienced. And um, if you want to uh, ask any questions, I know it's a very delicate topic, and people don't generally like to ask. I can give you my phone number, and you can WhatsApp me, and we can take those questions. And interestingly, just before, if we, we think that this is not an important topic, uh, a lady WhatsApp me just before I left home, and she said, can I ask a question related to your topic tonight? And I said, ask. And she said, I'm counseling a woman who for eight years, husband has not had any relations with her. How must she deal with it? I said, you you got all the nice comments that we can knock out to this guy, but I thought of the reality of this and I said, this is what's happening out there. And it was Nabi alayhi salam who told us that they, the women have needs. Hazrat Umar Farooq radiallahu anhu prevented the soldiers from going out in jihad for long, long periods of time, not for their benefit, but because for the sake of their women at home. So they considered everybody and they brought it all together. And they made for a wholesome life. Today we have, unfortunately, this internet and it has corrupted us totally. We have a society out there that is talking about teaching sex education to six-year-olds. What are they going to teach this poor child? And what is corruption is going to enter? Whereas Islam gave us something that's wholesome. We need to accept it and address it. So in doing this, one of the famous hadith is the hadith of Jabir bin Abdullah radiallahu anhuma. Once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was returning to Medina Sharif and as they were coming back, he noticed Hazrat Jabir was pushing his camel a little bit fast. And this was the character, everything of Nabi alayhi salam was notable, that he observed his companions and he took cognizance of their needs and he wanted to help them at every juncture. And he said, Jabir was the hurry. Then he realized something and he said, you got married. He said, yes, I got married. So the next question of Nabi alayhi salam was, and when is the walima? The next question was, did you get married to a young girl or did you get married to 
a woman who was married before. And Jabir replied and he said, I got married to a lady who was married before. And this is where we understand from there that there is absolutely no harm in enjoying the company of your halal spouse. In fact, there's a reward for it. Once when Rasulullah mentioned to Sahaba anhum, and he said that every time you go and you spend time in the company of your wife and you enjoy the pleasure of it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants you the reward of sadaqah. And they were like, Allah's generosity is one thing. But for something that we're fulfilling our needs, and Allah is giving us reward. And they said, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if you had done it in a wrong place, you would have been punished. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards you for doing it in the right place. So anyway, then he asked, Jabir and Jabir said that he married an older woman. And then Rasulullah said a very profound statement. Why did you not marry a young girl that you could play with her and she could play with you? And in another one, another hadith, a similar line comes that what made you turn away from her saliva? Now this is like you know, for us, when we read now, we think our deen is like very high and it's only for those things who are tahajjud, guzar. And our deen is complete. Our deen covers every aspect. Nabi alayhi salam is talking about enjoying the company of your wife. And what brilliant psychology, because if you enjoy the company of your wife, then you will not go running around looking everywhere. One of our biggest problems today is the guy sees something on the internet First of all, he tries and makes his wife emulate that. And then it's never going to be because that was filmed, unfortunately, over days. It didn't happen in the one hour that it was presented in. So no human being can deliver that. And then he gets dissatisfied because what he saw there was something supernatural. So anyway, I asked him, he said, why did you not marry a young girl? And he explained, as Jabir who explained that he said, my father Abdullah just passed away in the battle of Wahud. And he left me with several young sisters and if I had to marry a young girl, then it would have been a bit of difficulty. So for that reason, I married somebody who was older. Nabi alayhi salam said, good choice. But what is he saying? Go and have fun with your wife. Go and enjoy the company of your wife and enjoy whatever is within halal means. Because if you enjoy yourself and you're satisfied and she is satisfied, that home becomes wholesome. Intimate relations form a very small part of our marriage, if you look at it in terms of time. But it's an integral part. If that is missing, then the rest of the marriage starts going wobbly because now both parties are looking elsewhere. And vice versa, if your marriage is not in order, don't expect your intimate relations to be great. It takes everything. So in this ayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions that, you know what, go to your tilth, to your hearths, as you wish. And then came another little short phrase, وَقَدِّمُولِ anfusikum," And send something ahead for yourself. And there's various interpretations to this. But basically, this is the indication of foreplay. 
And in another hadith, Nabi salam said, don't just rush to your wives like how the animals do. Send something before you. So Sahaba Radlawanum, they asked, they said, what? He said, kissing and touching. So there's no harm in that. There's no problem with that. Often we think, no, that these things we don't speak about. We don't do it. So all this foreplay, all that is unnecessary. And this is one of the biggest problems we pick up between men and women. Because by and large, and I speak in general, not specific of, there might be exceptions. But generally, men are goal-orientated. And women are experience-orientated. Let me translate that for you into what it means. When a man goes to the wedding, he got an objective. Eat, go home. Walk in there, sit down, eat the food, talk to his buddies, and go home. Woman is experience-orientated. So she goes there, she checks the flowers, she checks who dressed what, she saw the decor in the hall, she saw everything, what flower they used, how the bride entered, what serviettes, did the serviettes match the flowers, did the flowers match the chandelier, everything was part of it. When you ask the men, how was the decor? What decor? But the biryani was lacquer. Because he came with an objective. And that's generally how we are. So you find the same thing in our relationships. Generally, a man is goal-orientated. Satisfy myself, sleep. And for a woman, it's everything. It's the smell in the room, the sounds in the room, how he's dressed, all that. They did a survey and they found that like 83% of women that they surveyed were turned off immediately by a bad odor. We don't think that is part of foreplay. But look at the example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He walks into his house, first thing, he makes salam, then he takes out his miswak. Why? There must be no smell. Before he gets to bed, he makes miswak. His sweat is the most exquisite perfume you will ever get, yet he applies ether. For whose benefit? For his spouse. For his spouse. Now I come home and it's 30 degrees outside, yeah, and I was out the whole day, and then I jump in that bed, and I'm hoping for magic. Mashallah, you can hope. You can read all your wazaif. It's not going to happen. Because the magic for a woman started long before. It started in the morning when you left. Because I told you, women are experience-orientated. So when you left in the morning, you gave her a kiss. If you're not doing this, then don't start it now because she's going to ask you, who is she? <laughs> Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did that. He's leaving for salah. He's going to meet who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he still got time to give his wife a kiss and go. And then you send a little text message during the day. And maybe you send another message and you come. That is part of the experience for a woman. All that. Literally, foreplay for a man is like, you know, microwave. Put it in there, thing, 30 seconds, we're ready. We're done. Woman is like one of those old coal stoves. 
It takes a while, but when they heat up, they heat up. And for your enjoyment, they also got to be at that level. Otherwise, what happens is you doing, and you say, but it's like a corpse. Yeah. It's frozen. What happened here? It's your fault. I mean, you don't put the stove on, now you say it's cold. Not the stove's fault. Your fault. So we need to do these things. And this is like just, I'm giving you a glimpse of what needs to be done. For lack of time, uh, it's difficult to explain all the things. So just to summarize and give you the essential points, number one is our deen is complete. Our deen is wholesome and pure and it covers everything that is wholesome and pure. And intimate relations are part of wholesome and pure. They're not like how the others make it out that it is the original sin and it is something else. Allah Ta'ala made it, Allah Ta'ala created in our hearts the desire for woman. So Allah Ta'ala said, here is how you satisfy yourself. And the second one, understand that how we understand foreplay and how our partners understand foreplay is not the same. How are you going to learn this? Where are you going to find out? Communicate with your spouse. Talk to your spouse and ask because we think this subject is so taboo. I can't ask my wife what makes her happy. Yeah. Maybe you read in some book that, you know, nibbling on the ear is like choo, exotic. And she hates it with all her passion. It's like just a switch off. The books are not right. Your wife is right. Everybody is unique. Ask her. And the third one, very important, especially in today's times. Make dua that Allah Ta'ala grants us contentment. We always make dua for barakah. But make dua that Allah Ta'ala grants us contentment that Allah with this wife I will be satisfied. And shaitan won't be able to waylay me and pull me somewhere else and take me out and say that's better and that's better. Because where you're looking at better, that is also somebody's wife. He also said, no, she also must have thought there's something better. And that's how shaitan gets us. So really in, in this brief introduction to the subject, there's nothing wrong with having intimate relationships. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying yourself. And there's nothing wrong with having yourself fully satisfied. But sometimes give, under, give your partner their due right also. Nabi alayhi salam mentioned in one hadith that even if you had a stove and your husband calls you, then go. Because at that time that is a need. That he's got a goal. But at other times, husband, you take the time and you build this thing up. It takes time. But the enjoyment you will get and the enjoyment your partner will get will satisfy both so that nobody has to ever look at another person outside that marriage. May Allah Ta'ala bless us all with such enjoyment within our marriages that we never have to look outside. Now I give over to the real expert. Nahmadu wa nusalli ala rasulil kareem amma ba'ad. 
وأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم هن لباس لكم وأنتم لباس لهن ولهن مثل الذي عليهن بالمعروف ولا تنسوا الفضل بينكم صدق الله العظيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته all perfect praises and thanks are due to Allah, our Rabbi and Sustainer. And choices of salawat and salam be on the best of creation. Sayyidul Bashar, Rahmatulil Alameen, Siraja Munira, Da'iyan ila Allahi bi'idhnihi, Al-Mujtaba, Al-Mustafa, the beloved of Allah, Muhammadun Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Respected and most revered ulama, Fas Kiram, brothers, elders and sisters, Dr. Saab is being humble when he says about expert. He studied this stuff. He's a doctor, medical practitioner. We were in school together. But he is, mashallah, doctor of the heart and of the body. Allahumma zid fazid. Normally we do this as a PowerPoint presentation with no graphics. So uh, today we don't have that facility. And it's normally quite a long presentation. So I'll just try and go through some of the more salient features. Uh, Dr. Saab covered very adequately the importance of foreplay. We quote a hadith from Salman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, where he was questioned that your Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches you everything. And his answer was amazing. He said, ajal, he didn't say naam. He said, ajal, yes indeed. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us that when we need to relieve ourselves, we should not face the Qibla. So this hadith, why we quote, to emphasize what Dr. Sabi had said, that this deen is complete, in fact, complete personified, everything, every aspect, every facet, every dimension. And that is the beauty of deen islam That's why we do not have confusion. Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, we do not have the scandals that we have in other societies due to perversion and all that. Very quickly, the intention when we have physical intimate relationships, there should be an intention. And what should be the intention? It's just not merely fulfilling our carnal desire. That is the consequence of the action. But. Uh, also the increasing of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the intention of healthy and pious progeny, and we'll come to that just now. Protection against zina, pornography, and other perversions. In the world that we are living in today, those perversions abound. Fulfilling the mutual conjugal rights. That's why we said, Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul that they are a covering for you, a raiment for you, a garment for you, and you for them. And they have rights over you similar to the rights that you have over them. Hence, that eight-year deprivation that Dr. Saab referred to is cause for concern. To enjoy this great gift and bounty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has lavished upon us, that in a halal manner, a person can fulfill his desire a sister can fulfill her desire, a brother can fulfill their desire, I mean husband and wife. Also a type of sadaqah, Dr. Saab alluded to that hadith there. And Ibn al has written something fascinating. 
that an intimate act that results in the birth of progeny as pious as Imam Shafi rahimahullah, that act is superior to a thousand nafil salah. So if you tell somebody that, you know, I was intimate last night, and you know, I think I nailed it thousand nafil salah, they say, what are you talking about? But that is amazing, that it's just not merely carnal. It becomes spiritual. That's why perhaps I'm speaking under correction, but we are the only deen, perhaps the Yahud may have it, but Nasara, we don't hear about it, that have masnoon du'as that are read at the, time of, uh, at the time of physical intimacy. This is unique. That even at that moment where it's carnal, where it's physical, where it's passion, we've got du'as that we read. This is unique, it's amazing. So this as far as intention is concerned. Dr. Sab asked me to speak about conjugal relations as a, uh, as a mutual right. Ibn al-Arabi, Ibn al-Abidin, rather the famous Hanafi jurist has written something. He said, among the consequences of marriage is the permissibility of each spouse de deriving benefit from one another. So this is something that we have to be cautious and take cognizance of to the, to the extent that there is nothing and no harm in the husband inquiring from his wife if she has climaxed. That's her right. And if she, and she hasn't, then the husband should continue stimulating her so that she reaches climax. That's her mutual right that we speak about in Islam. Mutual consideration is important as far as intimacy is concerned. We need to be aware of the prohibitions, haith, nifas, Ihram, you can't make a secret rendezvous in Mina in one corner there. Gee, that's not permissible. That's why this, these type of forums are important as far as education is concerned. Dr. Saab spoke about uh, the preparation as far as personal hygiene is concerned. I just want to touch on one thing. As far as one is the physical preparation, and one is living in a society that we are living in where there are young people exposed to other things, alluring intimate wear, for example, permissible. He goes to work, he sees highly attractive women, he comes home, his wife must adorn herself for him. And similarly, she, he must be even well adorned for her. We always give the example, we want them to wear intimate and alluring and sensual intimate wear and he comes there with his boxer shorts with his Superman fading there. It was like 16, 17 years old. I think got one or two patches. You don't expect her to get turned on by that. So it, it's a mutual thing, mutual rights. This ayat is brought smack in the middle of ayat on talaq. They do not forget the mutual consideration and graces between you. So imagine there, when they are separating, there is a scorsion that her rights must be taken care of. Imagine in this regard, when we are intimate, when we are alone, private time, me time, our time, within the confines of the bedroom, it has to be intimate, it has to be intense. It's not just going through the motions. It's my husband has to play his part. We talk about, we want them to adorn themselves as far as lipstick is concerned, makeup is concerned. And he also, he can't come there looking unkempt, that's not right. 
very important for young people especially, when we get married, it doesn't mean now I've reached my goal, I've got a wife now, as far as myself is concerned and herself is concerned, we must sort of become a bit careless. So physical fitness, maintaining a person's physique, very important as far as six packs and that are concerned, if you incline that way. If you're not built that way, it's okay. Okay. Similarly for the ladies, not to give up to have a healthy diet. Of course, the, the different people's physiology is different as far as their bodies are concerned, but try and be good for one another, look for, you know, good for one another. It's a pity we don't have the technology. We didn't know it's available. We didn't bring our, our sticks and what have you. But Dr. Saab, when he spoke about that microwave, I had to smile because he's got this stove, right? It's red in color. It's a terrific graphic. And he gives that example, that's a lady. It takes time to put in the wood and put in the coal and fire lighters. By the time you light it, it's 45 minutes. And then the next one is a nice modern microwave. Ching, just one button. There's one graphic. The other one I need to mention, Dr. Savi, is he's got a difference between men and women. The man gets turned on with one switch, trucks. And then Dr. Saab has got a graphic of a whole panel of monitors, you know, the olden day computers, how they were, not like this modern stuff, old room full of stuff. He said, that's women. Women, women, and I did this with intensity. Women take time to get around, so please guys, be, uh, bear that in mind. In relationships, intimate relationships, patience is very important, especially when we're young and newly married, <clears throat> my colleague, young and newly married, you need patience, right? When we are married, our age doc, we also need patience because menopause sets in, right? It takes them longer to get stimulated, lubrication becomes a problem, that's why things like gels and it permissible to use, especially for women who are in the pre- and post-menopausal age. This is part of the requirements that they shouldn't lose hope and guys shouldn't get frustrated. Uh, be patient. As far as the actual relations are concerned, very important total privacy. We give the example nowadays a lot of people live in simplex and duplexes and, and uh, complexes. And it becomes a bit complex because you're right next to one another. So make sure the windows are closed. Neighbors can peep in here. Okay, voyeurism is not allowed in Islam. In fact, in our own home, we should be careful, cautious. If you are living with extended family, keep the sounds down. Don't arrive. Don't announce the arrival, you know, it's a dangerous thing. Okay. No place for voyeurism. Even the cat shouldn't be in a room, basically. This is what you're saying. Small children, be cautious. They shouldn't be in a room, especially when they are of understanding age. So it has to be totally private. No excessive talking and loud talking. Of course, for those people who are, should I say brave, Doc? Who are brave enough to have more than one spouse, only one spouse at a time. There's no twosomes and threesomes in Islam. Threesomes and foursomes, rather. Twosomes, yeah. Conceal Qurans, Islamic literature, and all those things. Uh, just going through it very quickly. This is critically important in today's time and age of social media and technology. Please, 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 people, do not record our intimate moments. 
We do not do that as Muslims. Those things have a habit of escaping. It goes viral. It goes viral. Irrespective of how the guy may fancy himself to be that he performs in bed, it's not supposed to be recorded. Relevant Masnoon du'as, try and learn them. Avoid facing the Qibla. Dr. Saab quoted the ayat, Nisa'ukum harthul lakum fa'atu harthakum anna ay kayfa shi'tum. As far as this is concerned, different positions are allowed in Islam. It doesn't need to be missionary only. She's at the bottom and he's on top. It's good for to conceive. It's good for, for people who are trying for children. That's a good position. Quran alludes to it. Quran alludes to it uh, when, when he was crouched. Quran speaks about that missionary position. But apart from missionary position, that where the lady is at the bottom and man is on top, any position is permissible in Islam. One important proviso, and this is very, very critically important in the age of pornography today, in Islam, approaching the wife through her back passage is impermissible. There is no question about it. We need to bear this in mind. Anal intercourse is not allowed in Islam. So uh, if we try in different positions, be realistic. One's physique and fitness levels are important. Otherwise, we'll have to go and see the chiropractor next morning. Be careful. Here again, I started with saying, let's be discreet to the extent that look at this hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna min asharran nasi inda Allahi manzilatan yawm al-qiyamah ar-rajula yudhi ila imrati wa tuvdi ilayhi thumma yanshuru sirraha. That on the day of qiyamah, the person who will be in the worst position in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that man who approaches his wife. And then he broadcasts and advertises what had transpired. That's why we say total no-no as far as recording is concerned. That are intimate moments between husband and wife confined not to cyberspace, confined to the bedroom. Very, very important. I can't overemphasize that. Moving on. The idea when people want to experiment with mutual positions is Mutual satisfaction. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean my relationship is inadequate. If husband and wife are content with a missionary position or just side by side, very good. Don't try and experiment and make it exotic. It's not, that's not the idea. The idea is mutual pleasure, how to derive benefit from one another. And it's not necessary. It can only be done by something that we saw in some magazine or something. So like we say again before I move on here, as far as prohibitions are concerned, the one that we must be very, very cautious about is anal intercourse. All right. I'm sorry for using these words, but I think we have to be a bit specific. So maaf people. Dr. Saab spoke about an eight-year deprivation. How often was there the Sharia say in, in as far as frequency is concerned? As far as frequency is concerned? We pray five times a day. Should we pray five times a day? It's about energy, it's about time, it's about inclination, it's about reality. All right. So we say this is dependent on the libido of the person, the energy, the temperament. I know a person who came and she said that uh, 
please impress on my husband that once a month is enough for me. And the Fuqaha have written that Salim Uttaba, a person who's got a sound temperament, is he who once a month is sufficient. Now, I'm not saying guys only once a month, I'm just giving the extremes, right? So when I told the husband that, you know, he reckoned, man, I'll die. What do you mean once a month? So they were a young couple. So I said, do one thing, right? You want to do it like three times a day. She's not comfortable yet. That's her temperament. Call it haya, call it excessive haya, call it her unique, whatever it is. So don't insist. Do it three times a week. Say, Mona, I'll die. I say, no, you won't die. <laughs> Just do it three times a week. And gradually, inshallah, once she gets used to it, when you're married, then you'll see. Allah alam, I never went back and asked them. Obviously, it's something private. You don't ask these things. But the point is that the fuqaha have written that couples should mutually decide. And when we talk about marriage, generally, we impress upon our learners that perhaps one of the most critical ingredients in marriage is effective communication. Not just communication, effective communication. In intimate relations as well, effective communication is important. He may be doing something she may dislike. He may be nuzzling her ear, for example. She doesn't like it. He read somewhere that's a sensual part of the body. He doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. So we, to discuss. Yeah, even as far as frequency is concerned, discuss it. How much some scholars say once a week, some say once in four days, and like I said, some say once a month, that's a sign of a fine temperament. Sharia hasn't put any restriction. But we know in modern living today, there are couples sometimes who do not indulge in intimate relations for weeks on end. He goes to work five o'clock in the morning. He has to negotiate traffic. He comes back, it's after Maghrib. She's got small children. She's holding a job sometime. By the time she comes, she has to cook. They've hanged out. This is a modern, modern phenomena in Western-orientated societies. Some research has proven up to three months no action. Not to protect us. Excessive intimate relations has been discouraged by the scholars, but this is just from a perspective of uh, terming it exhaustive and unhealthy. Tell that to young people. But uh, there's, no, there's no restriction, there's no limit. All right. Uh, topical issues very quickly. I want to finish, inshallah, by our pass, for example, inshallah, right? Try and finish by our pass. Topical issues we already discussed and alluded to anal intercourse explicitly haram. There is no question about it. The ayat in Surah Baqarah where Allah Ta'ala says, That ayat alludes to the impermissibility of it and multiple ahadiths allude to the impermissibility of anal intercourse. And the reason why we are saying this, again in Western-oriented societies, Statistics say up to 30% of couples indulge in this haram. Now, how we, just further expounding on it, the ayat is about haid. That is a permissible passage, but because during the days of haid there are impurities there, therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, during the days of haid, during the days of her menses, her cycle, it's impermissible to have sexual intercourse. The anal passage has got even more bacteria and filth. 
So logic tells us that that would be impermissible for Muslims. So that's totally haram. Like I said, while she is menstruating, haram. Divulging and, and advertising the intimate relationship explicitly haram. Viewing pornography, this is a big one, totally haram. The people in the know inform us that not only does it interfere with the person's physical intimate relationship, but it interferes with the mental well-being of the person. Even the spirituality of people gets compromised. People report that in Salah, those images are flashing, Allahumma hafazna, are flashing to us. You, in Western societies, it's not uncommon for them to prescribe for couples who are having relationship problems in inverted commas, that they should view porn together. They regard that as a therapy. We regard it as a disease, not only a spiritual one, but it has a potential of derailing marriages. When they did a research on a person who was addicted to porn, they found one of the biggest problems he had was he couldn't maintain a relationship because he couldn't get aroused by real life realities. His arousal was only through artificial means. So we cannot overemphasize the impermissibility of pornography. Swinging, explicitly haram swinging, wife swapping, husband and wife swapping. It's common in certain circles where they're very good friends and not our circles, hopefully. But in among non-Muslims, this is a common thing where they exchange for the weekend, for the night, the spouses. His body goes with Beth's body, his wife, and vice versa. Allah protect us from that. Using gels and lubricants, like we said, it is permissible, especially in cases where, because of menopause and she's dry, so no harm in using it. And you even get fragrant, fragrant ones. Huh? Bondage and flogging, totally impermissible. It is oppressive. It is zulam. It's dangerous. I mean, how can there be pleasure in pain? It's a perverse pleasure. Pleasure in pain is a perverse pleasure, so that's not permissible. Toys, as long as there is no penetration, and as long as it's not used on the own, that means husband using it on himself, or wife using it on herself, it's permissible provided it's just for stimulation, it's not for penetration. We're not suggesting you should do these things, people. We're just giving a, a basic overview of questions that people ask and answers that the Fuqaha have given. Uh, showering and bathing together, permissible, desirable. Young people will tell us that, perhaps. Uh, Cross-dressing, not permissible. Hadith has said very specific about tashabba, you know, a woman imitating a man and men imitating a woman. So cross-dressing, not permissible. Uh, body chocolate, Fukaha, I've written about that as well. Not permissible because it's disrespectful to food. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Muslims, we view consumables as a great bounty of Allah. To use it as part of pleasure, physical pleasure, it's uh, disrespectful and not the ideal. I just want to quote a hadith here just to go on to the next part of the program and we'll try and end on that, inshallah. Yeah, I miss out anything vital we need to add, Mr. Stop. You're okay for now. Okay. There's a few things I haven't said, right? Show the slides I haven't done. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said that among the words 
the people learned from earlier Amya Ali Musalatu Salam is Ida Lam Testahi Fafil or Fasna Amashit. If you do not have shame and haya, then do as you please. So this is a preamble, this hadith, Al Haya Wishubatu Min Al Iman, to preamble to the next one that is. First time, I, I must tell you, very amazing experience. I, I, I uh, work in a school, and we teach uh, bigger grades. It was a good few years ago. And uh, one of the boys, and, uh, nowadays they wouldn't do what he did. One of the boys wrote a small note to me. Maulana, is oral sex permissible? So I was taken aback. I said, well, this guy's not married. What is, what, you know? But it's the reality of the world. This is now not pre-internet not pre days. This was after internet became a reality. I didn't know the answer to give. So I found one of the prominent muftis. And uh, this was his opinion. Okay, this is what I'm going to say now as the opinion of the, one of the prominent muftis of the country. He said, totally impermissible. And then he called the ayat of Surah Baqarah, which we read just now, yeah. That approach them from where Allah has commanded you to approach them. And then he elaborated, he said, tantamount to oppression. Tantamount to oppression, asking the spouse to do something that he or she, he or she may be uncomfortable with. Contrary to Hayat, that's why we quoted the hadith. It may entail the ingestion of genital excretions, it's been fluid, hers and his, it may create a mutual contempt and disrespect between the spouses. And it also may create hate for him or her because if he is forcing her or she is forcing him to do it. So this was one very, very cautious and perhaps best opinion that one can have on this topic. That was the first one. And this one I'm going to be doing briefly now. I'm not suggesting people you must try this, please. We're not condoning and we're not promoting here. We're just giving the different viewpoints. This one here is from uh, Mufti Ibrahim Gothari's Kitab. Mufti Saab has written a very, very good manuscript, a good manual, good book on sexual relations in Islam. And his research, and this is from classical scholars, this wasn't discussed now. This was discussed hundreds of years ago by the Fuqaha. So he's, uh, in his kitab he's written, some of the Fuqaha have said permissible though highly reprehensible. And then they qualify what they say. They say if there is no ingestions of fluid, then it is permissible but disliked. Makruya tahrimi. And we know makruya tahrimi, if you continuously doing it, it becomes haram. So that's one opinion. The other very, very important proviso they give is if there is a hint of ingestion that is taking in of any of the secretions or the discharge, it is totally haram, no question about it. All right. This particular fatwa is can view it on the Darun Ihsan website. It was there some time ago. I don't know if it's still there, but if you perhaps Google it, it is more detail, more detail than I am giving you because it's a bit graphic, 
and I don't think it's appropriate to be so detailed in as far as the, the, the masala is concerned. Very important, the wife slash husband have no obligation to accede to a, the request of the spouse for this to be done. In Islam, this does not feature as far as the mutual rights are concerned. The mutual rights are the actual intimate relations as we know it as human beings. It does not entail this dimension here. So if a husband says it's my right, if the wife says it's my right, they're actually not entirely correct. It's maybe a desire, it can't can be termed a right, and if this desire has these violations in it, then it is haram, and if we are cautious, then we'll go by the first fatwa, which is very explicit as far as the mufti was concerned, totally haram. As a general rule, spouses must be able to communicate one another as far as intimate relations are concerned. Many years ago, there used to be a Dr. Phil, you know, he was an American, he was a, what is, uh, he was a pediatrician, but psychiatrist, right? He was a psychiatrist. And he said something amazing. He said that in a healthy relationship, and please don't minimize this, what Dr. Saab said in the importance of this topic, but he said in a healthy marital relationship, physical intimacy features 10%. Because so many other things constitute the marriage. You know, the bonding, the talking, you know, him making tea for her, serving her breakfast in bed. Just do those things, man. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong like that. May Allah Ta'ala instill in our spouse's heart's love and our heart's love for them. He said, but in a marriage that's faltering, in a marriage that's faltering, the first thing that they latch onto is lack of intimacy and lack of sexual pleasure. That's why we'll find many a time people have affairs, not because, not because the husband can't perform or the wife can't perform, it's because the emotional bond has been severed. Now they're looking for some sort of, some sort of recognition and the guy in the office smiles at her, or he smiles at, she smiles at him and that just creates, and they get involved in a haram relationship and, 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 and it has its consequences. The point we are making is we should not underestimate and undervalue the importance of intimacy. It is an integral part. That's why there's a whole wealth of information in the hadith how the Sahaba interacted with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The ayat Dr. Saab quoted, which we use and the fuqaha have used, for example, for the permissibility of different positions, one of the reasons of the revelation of the ayat was Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala who came to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, I changed my saddle last night. Meaning that he changed his position. Now you are the Molana that Molana says, Astaghfirullah, how can you talk to me like that? I'm a Molana, you know, I know Bukhari Muslim. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't say anything. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the ayat that you approach your women how you like as long as it is in a halal passage. So that is the beauty of the deen. That's the important of intimacy, importance of intimacy as far as we are concerned, that it enhances the relationship. For the younger people, practice does make perfect. Patience is important, right? And very importantly, the situation is important. 
we tell the children in school, she's just lost somebody close to her. They came back from the mayor's house, husband there, he's all raring to go, be, be circumspect, she's not in a mood. If she says, not tonight, honey, it doesn't mean she doesn't love you. It's a practical thing, she's not in a mood, her heart is sore. So the mood is important, the timing is important, the occasion is important, enhancing the relationship is important. The hadith that Dr. Saab alluded to, that kind words and caresses and kisses are important. And very, very important, the dimension of has she been satisfied? Has she been? Has she climax? That's important. If you look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created insan, men are very different. Just like that light switch, switch, they get turned on so quickly. Similarly, they climax quicker. Women, in fact, Imam, Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, in, in uh, Hidayah, he's written, yeah, this Darul Mustaza, you feel shy to speak in front of him. We're talking from memory of 30, 40 years. He's written to stimulate her with the finger. is not only desirable, he says, I'm sure she will get reward for it because it's part of her right. So what we're trying to say is the importance of making sure that our spouses are also satisfied sexually, emotionally, physically, and this ayat, hunna libasun lakum wa antum libasun lahun, alludes to that. It's just not a physical comfort, it's an emotional comfort. How good are we as far as talking to our spouses with, with kindness, with love and affection? Or are we just good for that day where we want to fulfill our desire and the next day we, we ignore them? The final uh, slide that we have here is afterplay. Dr. Saab spoke about foreplay. Afterplay even is important. What's that? being affectionate, meaning his climax, he can't just turn around and within five seconds he's snoring, man. How insensitive. Isn't that insensitive? Inquire for me, how are you, honey? Have you, have you, have you? Climax, the young people use a what's C-O-N-E word, right? Have you come? Cleanliness and purification, important, you know, at least wipe up. Uh, if possible, go and make wudu uh, again, make istinja. If, if you have the luxury, you can even have a bath, it's even better. Get fresh for <clears throat> part two, phase two of the whole dimension. And uh, finally, be patient. Practice does make perfect. Uh, it's about mutual pleasure, it's about mutual rights, it's about enhancing the marital relationship, and it's about the pristine beauty of Deenul Islam, where everything was discussed. Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, ultimate, ultimate teacher. Every dimension of emotion, he spoke to them about physical relationship, he spoke to them about how to be affectionate to the wife, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam spoke to them about. We can only say, Ya Rabbi, Salli wa Sallim, Da'iman abada ala habibika khayri khalqi kulli my dear respected brothers, elders, and mothers and sisters, uh, now we just put an indemnity clause here. Please make us mouth if we have said things that may be sounding insensitive or use words that may sound inappropriate. But I think we just try to be as uh, proper as, as possible. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create a lot of love and affection in our hearts for our spouses. 
And the fact of the matter is we do not appreciate them as we ought to appreciate them, really. What they do for us mutually, what husbands do for wives, what wives do for husbands. And if we have a beautiful relationship, say Alhamdulillah. The tendency to emulate and imitate the West and Western culture and that if you just reflect on one stat, between 48 to 52%, 48 to 52% of American marriages end in divorce. We cannot boast now and say our marriages do not end in divorce. That number is going up. But by and large, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah, in the Ummati Muhammadiyah, our marriages last. And one of them is because our deen has given us a total, total guidance and guideline in every aspect of deen in this aspect as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us in our spirituality, in our piety, in our love and affection. May Allah ta'ala bless us with healthy and pious progeny that be the coolness of our eyes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitate for those who are not married, compatible and pious spouses, and for those who are married and desirous of children, may Allah Ta'ala bless them with healthy and pious progeny. La taqnatu min rahmatillah, la taqnatu min rohillah, la yaytayasu min rohillah. All these ayat abound in the Quran where we do not give up hope. Give up hope. My one colleague, one colleague of mine, physically nothing wrong with him and his wife, got married when they were relatively young. He came back from India. And after 13 and a half years, Allah blessed him with a child. So that's Allah Ta'ala's mercy and that's Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala's hikmah and wisdom. Can you imagine how that child must have been nurtured? Amazing. So don't you, for those who are married and they are trying for children, Allah Ta'ala's treasures are vast and infinite. We do not give up, we lose hope. Dr. Saab said he's prepared to take any questions. If there are any questions, welcome. If you are more interested in the goodies, we say Jazakallah for hosting us. Uh, we were just talking how Allah has blessed us. Who would have thought? People our age, right, who were born in the 60s. Okay, who would have thought that we'll have a masjid here in this locality? Manifest bounty of Allah. Right here in the heart of the wealth and of the, of the previous regime, Masjid, such a magnificent masjid that you can, can't miss it. You have to see it. It's there, it's standing. As you just come down there, the minaras are visible. That is Allah's bounty on us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep our country safe. May Allah give us leaders who have the interests of Muslims at heart. We are fortunate still in this country. The other day, from one of the Arab countries, one of the Muslims was telling us that we've got more freedom of deen in South Africa than in his country. So may Allah Ta'ala remove all the oppression from the Muslim countries and Jazakallah for hosting us. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala make this a beneficial program and may Allah Ta'ala reward you for your patience. And may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give all of our asatira abundant reward for the kindness and compassion upon us. And we say to the Imams, MashaAllah, Allahumma Zid Fazid, contemporary, his Abba was a contemporary of us. Allah Ta'ala increase him in every way. وآخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.
الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم عينا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إنا نسألك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم غثنا اللهم غثنا اللهم غثنا اللهم أسقنا الغيث ولا تجعلنا من القانطين أو اللهم اسمسف الله يا الله We thank you for the infinite bounties and mercies and graces that you have lavished upon us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we beseech and beg for forgiveness for all our indiscretions and sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bless us with healthy and pious progeny, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, create in our hearts love for our spouses, Ya Allah, and affection, Ya Allah, for your pleasure, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our relationship such that it is a means of finding you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those people who are desirous of getting married, Ya Allah, Bless them with healthy and pious and compatible, Ya Allah, spouses, Ya Allah, and partners, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those of our brothers and sisters who are desirous of children, Ya Allah, your treasures are infinite, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bless them with healthy and pious progeny, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, in those marriages where strife and discord and acrimony prevail, Ya Allah, you are the controller of hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make it such that those hearts are full of love and affection for one another, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, turn those gazes of irritation and hatred, Ya Allah, into love and affection, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our children obedient to us, Ya Allah. And most importantly, Ya Allah, make our children obedient to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those with broken hearts, Ya Allah, you are the mender of hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, insert in their heart hope, Ya Allah. Remove the pain, Ya Allah. Remove the affliction, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, your wisdom is infinite, Ya Allah. Your decisions are perfect, Ya Allah. Whatever decision you have made in our lives, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, those are perfect, Ya Allah. Give us the ability to bear with those decisions and accept them, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, mend the hearts of all those who have broken hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those of our deceased who have passed away, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill the qabrs with nur, Ya Allah. Elevate their seats in Jannah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, and those of our young who have passed away, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, make them adorn paradise for us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make them for us. Ya Allah, faratam, Ya Allah, make them for us, Ya Allah. Those who will be the forebearers, Ya Allah. And those who will be preparing for us, Ya Allah, in paradise, Ya Allah. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim. Rabbana hab lana min azwajina wa dhuriyatina qurrata a'yuni wa ja'alna lilmuttaqina imama. ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين. Just one little bit anecdote. When we had this program in Pretoria a few years ago, one of our elderly Muslims, in his late seventies, came to me and held my hand. Held my hand. He said, Malana. You got an interesting program. So I asked him, you're telling him, he said, no. But he said, but just tell him one joke. 
Actually, just tell him one joke. He said, uh, Simola, I've been married 45 years. He said, divorce? I've never contempl contemplated. But murder? And he just <laughs> it was hilarious. The way he said it, I can't say it like it. You know, the asal is not like the nakal. <laughs> it was hilarious. So I see to lighten the mood, I said it there. Generally, people appreciate it. May Allah Ta'ala insert in our marriages such love that we always make a dua at the time of nikah. May you grow old together. May you grow. So my better half was in one day in, in the hall and I made this dua. In the car, she said, what was it about growing old? I said, may you grow old together. She said, you need to qualify that dua. She said, I don't want to grow old with you as a grumpy old guy. So we say, may you grow old together with love, affection, beautiful communication. I say, may we all grow old together with our wives, with love, affection, beautiful communication, beautiful moments, and most importantly, may we remain with one another and find one another in Jannah. Jazakallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. On behalf of the trustees, the imams, muazzins, and musallis of Houghton Muslim Jamaat, we are deeply appreciative to Morana Yusuf Wadi Sab and his team for putting this beautiful program together. And we also sincerely thank our special and respected guests, Hazrat Morana Dr. Suleiman Ibrahim and Morana Yusuf Abid Sab for taking out the time to address us today. It was truly beneficial. May Allah reward one and all also for uh, being seated for the program. Jazakallah.